Hey everybody, welcome back to the Brews and Belsers podcast where we talk all things soccer while sipping on some local brews. I am Keegan Gowitz. Um, tonight I'm drinking a Grassy Place Hazy IPA from Badger State Brewing out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, this is very tasty. It's uh, I'm, I'm not a huge, huge IPA guy. I like them, but it's, it's not like my favorite choice of beer, but it's very sweet. It's juicy and, and tropical and very, very smooth. Uh, and I've enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm not seeing any uh, any alcohol percentage on here, which is dangerous. Oh, oh 6.7. Oh, oh. 6.7% or Toby. Um, joining me as always, we've got Tobes. The wife is out of town. Um, we're staying up late, drinking Mountain Dew or Mountain Brews, if you will. That was teed up for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you. How you doing, Tobes? Keats, uh, great. I shaved myself into a double slash triple chin uh, with my mustache. I'm rocking. You uh, look beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So tonight I have, I had some beers that were some Wisconsin brewed Italian pilsners to celebrate Napoli winning, but I booze hounded like a week and a half ago and drank all the beer in my fridge when we thought they were gonna win it when we thought (laughs) yeah so so i have tonight a three floyds from munster indiana chicago suburb a 5.7 abv jinx proof lager so yeah so jinx proof Uh, i didn't even plan for this but uh definitely uh prevented the jinx from happening again with napoli winning well done. Well done. How do you like yeah. it? What what would you rate? Uh, I'll give I'll give real quick. I'll give Grassy Place Hazy IPA. I'll give this a a 3.75 out of 5. Um it's very very good. This uh my beer is malty light uh full body though. Um I would give it a 3 3.1. Um I'm not a big lager guy, so I'm not going to you know, it really has to woo me to to get in there so yeah you kind of get what you get usually there so. yeah uh we'll get right into it with seria as you alluded to uh napoli have officially clinched the scudetto um naples we've we've got on the twitter right now videos from naples uh the night that they won it scenes were incredible as you would expect some of those shots those drone shots over the city fireworks going off it was unbelievable truly unbelievable yeah. as you would expect first title in I think it's 33 years and yeah. um, pretty amazing that the last year that Argentina won the World Cup, Maradona, 89, and the last Scudetto for Napoli, 89-90 season with Maradona and both reachieving those those titles. Uh, yeah, it's year is amazing. It's weird, isn't it? It's like movie script. And uh, yeah, so Napoli, Naples – there isn't really any other big sports, you know, like that is the city. Like they, they live and die by Napoli football. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. Like just absolutely crazy. Even leading up to the game, everything was crazy about uh, the way the fans are and how passionate they are. And I mean, the fireworks displays were nuts, you know, like here you get guys flipping over cars and like being shitheads there. You get like, I'm sure there was some of that as well. Yeah, yeah, probably. But <laughs> uh, we won't post those videos though. Third, third time uh, Napoli's won it, uh, the Scudetto, and yeah, 33 years. I'm feeling like wife's gone. 
She has no control over the bank account right now. I think I'm getting the sweatsuit this weekend. Like, Got to. The, whenever, whenever I hit the three beer threshold, that's when I'm going to start shopping. Mm-hmm. Come, come five beers, I'll, I'll probably pull on it. So. Get drinking, pal. Get drinking. Yeah. Go ahead and take a swig. <laughs> yeah, and shout out to the uh, all the videos uh, coming out where the dude was caught cutting into the turf to save yeah. the grass. Did you see that? They just had a huge <laughs> bag of it, and it was yeah. a it was a. It was a transparent bag too. Yeah, like, like there, just like there was nothing sneaky. Just about like a it. gallon Ziploc bag, and the dude's yeah. just cutting into the turf. Like I mean, he was I thinking get it. ahead. Yeah, yeah he was thinking not? ahead. Oh uh, my god! say supporters did not take this very well. By the way, um, there were there was some some beef on the pitch after the match. There were some videos that surfaced of say fans out there, um, and somebody tweeted out um, in the Italian Twitter sphere. Uh, it, it, it makes all Milan fans so thankful for, I forget who they clinched it against last year, but they did it away from home. And those supporters just, they were like, it makes you thankful that they let us, uh, celebrate at their stadium without mm-hmm. any of this. Um, so tensions were a little bit high there, but, um, I mean, I, Napoli, I haven't heard any, any tr- reports. They of, tried of, to of, win at home. Like that. Oh sense. yeah. They tried multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tried many times. So. Yeah. So, um, was there any other reports of anything else? Or no. Like so, yeah, any... like I was saying, I, I didn't hear anything about any like serious injuries or like serious, serious. I mean, there there were some some spats on the pitch, some physical altercations, but I didn't hear anything like very serious injuries yeah. or anything like that, which is great, obviously. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, they they won it with a draw. Uh, it had to be Osimhen, and Osimhen's goal came had to from be. basically from a. Um, put back from uh, uh, a far chance as well. So, I mm-hmm. mean, the fact that it was those two linking up, I think was, was great. Um, I love that Elmas, uh, Elif Almas got the start at right wing. I think he's been really good for them as a substitute all year. I think he's a super talented player that maybe as some of those superstars eventually potentially move forward from Napoli, I think he's a guy who can come in and, and really be a pivotal piece for them. If, if, you know, players like Kvart Skelly and Osiman do move on, he's a guy who can play as a winger. He can play as an attacking mid and he's really, really solid uh, North Macedonian player. And then he came off and Chucky Lozano came on at right wing. So I think it was great to see kind of that, that core group out there and Dombele started as well. Zielinski, uh, Labaka, <clears throat> You know they they had um, all of those guys getting in there who who played huge parts in in winning this scudetto with five matches left to play. So it was special. Yeah, the it felt like they were like laboring into the finish line. Like Napoli just hasn't been in form, and I don't know if they're ever going to get their form back. Not that they need it at this point, because um, they're really not fighting for anything else for the rest of the season. Uh, but I mean, damn, like, it's just so good to see them. And I love their their center back pairing that they had with Kim and Jay and uh, uh, Romani, if I remember right. Um, and, yeah, so, like, they have they had it all going, but it was just – the goals just haven't been as easy to come by. And I don't know if that's because, like, Kavika's being, like, double, triple teamed on that left side. Uh, they didn't really have, like, a – like, Chucky Lozano didn't come in until the end of the game. Uh, he usually plays on that right side, but I think he actually came in for uh, Cavardona and uh, came in on that left side, which I guess is his traditional side that he plays for Team Mexico. 
Um, but yeah, there's just they just the attacking threat just hasn't been there. And so I'm happy they got that. They got the, you know, I wouldn't say a sloppy goal, but they didn't have like a finesse goal. Like they're used to, like we're used to seeing them and accustomed to, uh, but as a whole, like, I mean, man, it's just such a weight lifted off my shoulders. So imagine those guys, like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we, we've been pulling for them all year. It does feel good. Um, and it's just amazing to see Naples go absolutely apeshit. Uh, yeah, at, at winning the title. So and 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 thirty three matches played because midweek was uh, match week thirty three. Uh, they have eighty points. That is a large amount of points for thirty three games in. Uh, yeah. With uh, Lazio coming up in second place, did not expect that, and they're at sixty four. So uh, the race is really tight uh, from pretty much second on. Uh, for whoever goes into the third and fourth and fifth. Yeah, really two through seven is still fairly close. Only six points between all of those those clubs. Lazio, Juve, Inter, Atalanta, Milan, and Roma are are there battling for those, you know, those three remaining Champions League spots, that Europa spot, and then that Europa Conference League spot. So Juventus got their 15 points back. There was an investigation. I don't know if you want to dive into this, Toby, but basically the investigation didn't yield any results that warranted apparently them continuing with that 15-point penalty. So they've been given their points back. Yeah, so it was the sports court within the Italian Olympic Committee. And supposedly they came to the conclusion that it must be reevaluated. And so in doing so, the 15-point penalty was suspended. That doesn't mean they're not going to get hit with a mulligan next year or the year after. Who knows? Um, but as of right now, Italy just kind of – it seems like they just kind of brushed it under the rug is what it seems like to me. Sounds like um, some <laughs> Serie A and some Juventus shit. Yeah, that, yes. it sounds right. Uh, but what's funny is Juve looks like the the second or third best team in oh, the they're league. Purring, yeah. And yeah. so like I'm okay with this honestly, you know, you you give them a bump of a of a three point because of a win then you give them 15 more so they had an 18 point swing one weekend like yeah, so I mean I get it from their perspective like it is what it is. So yeah, they like, they've played really well and to be fair, these players didn't do anything wrong. Um, you know, it's it's one of those weird situations where it's like okay, the club probably should be punished assuming I, I guess i'm leaning on the side of assuming that they've done something wrong um but you do feel for the players who have been playing really well under the impression by the way that they were going to be hit with a 15 point penalty and really at that point didn't have anything to play for other than maybe potentially a europa conference league spot yeah yeah and right now vlahovic has been you know he's been vlahovic all season uh, chiesa's back from injury uh, after I think he tore his ACL, I want to say last year. Um, so they have some stuff up top, but uh, follow us on Bruise and Belters uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. But Keith, you brought up a point on our uh, Twitter. Uh, if Neymar leaves, where should he go? And you brought up Juventus as a place for him. And I, I think that would be amazing. Have him up on top, like, you know, playing left side along Chiesa or even on the right side, you know, you can kind of switch between both. And uh, play along Vlahovic. Like I think that would be awesome to see him uh, in the white and black. I think 
and there, there is bias obviously coming into this with me really enjoying this resurgence of Serie A um, and, and Serie A succeeding in Europe with AC and Inter Milan in the semifinals of the Champions League. Um, but I would, I would kill to see that resurgence of these Neymar-type players in Serie A. And obviously, Neymar's starting to get a little bit older. You know, this isn't Neymar and his prime at Barcelona or anything, but you look back at that wave of incredible early 2000s players of Kaká, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, and AC Milan, Inter Milan, like the, the Serie A giants were the spot, you know, if, if they weren't going to Real or, or Barca, they were going to Serie A. Or... And non-Italians as well. Yeah, like yeah. You're talking, and, you're talking Brazilians and every, every right. That's that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, in in these flashy, fun to watch players too. You know, Serie A's gotten a, a bad rep, and understandably so, for being a very conservative defensive league for a long time now. And I think it's a lot more fun when you've got these flashier, attack-minded players like a Neymar or Kvartskelly has brought a ton of that you know, spark mm-hmm. back into the league. Rafael Leao has brought a ton of spark into the league. That's another team that I mentioned along with Juventus. I think Chiesa, Vlahovic, and Neymar would be a super fun front three to watch. And then you've got Di Maria who can come in as a sub or plug and play um, if those guys need a rest or injury or anything else. But on top of that, I, I think Milan, AC Milan would be a, a really interesting place to see him end up as well, where you've got Leao on one wing. You could have... Neymar either as an attacking mid or on the opposite wing. And then in the midfield, you've got Ibrahim Diaz, Sandro Tonali, um, you know, exciting players there. De Ketelaire, if he gets his form down, going into his second season there. And then, you know, I think they still have to figure out that striker position. They've got Giroud, they've got Origi, they've got <laughs> Zlatan. Um, but all of those guys are kind of like, all right, maybe one of these dudes will show up when we throw them out here today. Maybe yeah. they won't. So I think they still have to figure that out. Whereas Juventus already has their striker with Vlaovic, but either way, I think, I think either of those two would be really interesting places to see a player like Neymar end up. Going back to your comment about Syria resurgence, is there a reason you think for that or a reason why there was uh, uh, the, the lack of, Serie A potential over the last couple of years? Is that just a money thing, you think, with the big clubs, all all the money being invested in the Premier League, and then, you know, the the juggernauts of Spain, and then, of course, just PSG and Bayern Munich. Uh, but Serie A has, you know, a few teams, especially in the top four, that over the last 40 to 50 years have been thoroughbred winners at a, you know, international stage for the club's. And so is there a reason you think, is it just money or is there a reason why that uh, there was a drop in Syria and then the resurgence currently? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I, I think it could be a mix of things. One, like you said, the money and, and just Man City's dominance really in, in England for the most part of the last five, six, seven years uh, plus Real Madrid's dominance within Europe. Um to the money that some of these clubs can pay versus, you know, the money, obviously AC Milan, Inter, Juventus, well-funded clubs, but not at Stup- that level of a stupid, a or- stupid money. Like people are talking about city and how early Holland, I forget what his transfer was. It wasn't 
uh, astronomically high amount. 76 like, mil or whatever. Yeah. Seven, but his, so that's just his transfer from club to club. Fee, right. But then his actual like weekly wages, wages are like a million dollars or a yeah, million something pounds, crazy. like something yeah. crazy like that. So everyone's like, oh, that's a steal at six seventy six million. No, that's like what it actually costs to get the player from point A to point B. He still yeah. has to be paid to play at point B. And that's where this the money's stupid in Premier League currently. And that's why yeah. they're talking about Newcastle and all the links to a Messi or a Neymar going there because just because they have the stupid amount of money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Newcastle you throw in there too with with could be a potential link for a, a player like Neymar. Um, but overall, I, on top of the money, I think maybe, I mean, there was, there was a run really until the last couple of years where Juventus just dominated Serie A, similar to the way that Bayern has really dominated Bundesliga for, for the most part. And Bayern, we, we saw, they brought new players in, they brought a lot of new players in, but a lot of them were, were players that they brought from within Bundesliga. Um, whereas, you know, I, I, the question going back to why players haven't come to Serie A, you know, Juventus have grabbed players from within Serie A or, or, you know, you look at Chiesa who came from Fiorentina, um, Vlahovic who came from Fiorentina. There aren't a lot of players who they've, they've gotten, wouldn't gotten from La Liga or the Premier League or whatever it might be. So I think that that maybe plays into it as well. Just Juventus's dominance where it's like, all right, why am I going to go play for AC Milan or Inter Milan or, Roma when Juventus is just going to win the league again. Uh, I think could maybe play into it. That's just my speculation. So I don't know, but it, it is good to see uh, a little bit of a resurgence because it definitely does feel like that. Uh, you, any other? Go ahead. I was just going to say you even see it. I mean, Roma's in seventh place right now, and they're only two points away from being in fourth place, but – even that, they've got a big name manager like Jose. They just signed Dybala. They've got Tammy Abraham, who's you know a fun, uh, great player to watch. Spinazzola. I mean, even these teams that you see, they may not be playing in Europe next year, and they've got a ton of players that I would love to watch every single week. So yeah, um, yeah, it's it's good. Before we segue to the Prem and to the the next thoroughbred, uh, which is Manchester City. Uh, I'm just going to go and throw out my cheer right now because it's Serie A related. Uh, it's for Jose Mourinho. And this is a quote <laughs> for, from Jose, uh, <laughs> Roma's coach, saying, I am not stupid. I went to the game versus Monza with a microphone and recorded everything. I had to protect myself against the worst referee I've met in my life. Like, dude, the guy is just a wild card. I, I I love Jose like so much. I've loved Jose since he body bagged Deli Ali's career for the rest of his life <laughs> by calling him lazy. Like, <laughs> like dude, the guy's just awesome. And for him to actually have a a tape recorder or like his phone recording everything, so that way he can hear what the refs say to back his own story and allegations. Like, dude, the guy's the guy's just not checkers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know many people who have wired themselves, but Jose to, to protect himself, he said to protect himself. 
not not i'm just gonna watch what i say i'm gonna watch my mouth just i'm gonna take it a step further and (laughs) yeah and wire myself like yeah like a seventh grader like it's so good (laughs) going into the principal's office yeah (laughs) i i had a note for that as well just yeah i mean the patron saint of petty as he's come to be known on our page um he really is amazing they could they could end in 15th place and and we're still going to get stories like that i mean it's he is a special one um moving on to premier league though like you said man city are just rolling right now driver's seat driver's seat for the standings uh shame on arsenal for allowing themselves to be beat or equaled with southampton a week and a half ago that friday or no two weeks ago like we said we called it you called it they dropped those points city's coming for that ass and city got it that yeah they currently sit at 79 points 33 matches played arsenal 34 matches played and 78 points and it just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like City could lose. Um, I mean, looking at their matches moving forward, they got Leeds tomorrow. Should be a blowout. Dude. After that, I mean, Everton in relegation zone as well. It's It it, it, it just doesn't look like they're going to get beat. Chelsea, who may as no. well be in relegation zone. And we were jockeying on Napoli for having 80 points, 33 matches in. And Man City has 79 and Arsenal have 78. That's just how good both of these clubs are like yeah mind mind blowing and arsenal form over the last four games has not been great i don't have it in front of me um i think they've dropped points in all but one of them uh i could be mistaken but i think they've lost and yeah yeah you're right a win in their last one a loss before that and then three draws yeah so i mean you flip one or two of those draws and they're at 80 points and that's just what's so so crazy about how arsenal's been not recently but as a whole and then city recently has just i mean they're i I, they don't look be they don't look like they can be beaten right now and it's interesting too to talk about that because i part of why i really love the point system and and the way that the premier league unfolds is because it's it's really easy to be like wow arsenal have had a really bad run of form at a at a a difficult time, which they have, like, this is a a terrible time to be dropping points. But if they had this run of form earlier in the year, they would be at the same place points wise, which is why I really actually enjoy this. I know a lot of people are like, man, I would love to see a playoff or I would love to see it. You know, the two, the two best teams in the league play each other on the last week of the year, but it, it really makes you be, it, you can't have a week off. It doesn't matter no, who you're playing, and it doesn't matter if it's in August or if it's in May, which I think it, it just makes it so much tougher to achieve this. You you don't need the playoff. Yes, if you had Arsenal playing City, that would be great. But you don't need that to have it really matter coming down to the wire. I think I think as a whole, I think the schedule just works itself out to do that. Uh, for instance, I want to say not Sunday, but Monday, four of the five teams at the bottom of the table are all playing on Monday. Like, who would have thought that? And here yeah. we are, where it all matters. Like, all of it matters, and that will be uh, arguably the most deciding factor of the season for at least one of those clubs will come Monday if they drop points. 
yeah, that is a wild thing about it. And even, I mean, every result will matter to, to the end of, you know, end of the season you've got, let's see here, match day 38. I mean, it could potentially be Arsenal draws with Wolves and, and that's the season or, you know, who's city city's got Brentford. That's a tough match. Mm-hmm. Who, know, who knows if they come out flat and, you know, Ivan Tony flexes bet, on, on, I, on the entire city of Manchester. I'd bet on him, by the way, Ivan Tony. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's a bet that I trust always, but overall, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it's, uh, Keith, I, I, I think Arsenal have, I don't want to say they've bottled it a little bit, but it doesn't look good for him. I, I don't feel good for him. I think they have bottled it. I think that's a good way to say it. Uh, so Manchester city, who did they just play? Um, uh, uh, they just they just beat Fulham last weekend two to one. Yes, so they they play Leeds this weekend and then they had Fulham. Um, and then I'm I'm sorry, midweek or well, Wednesday they beat West Ham. West Ham, me. yep. So West Ham and then Fulham, of course, and then they had the big victory over Arsenal. Uh, Erling Haaland's been a part of all of that. Thirty five goals, record setting season, Premier League goal scoring leader. Uh, my opinion, he's a Ballon d'Or as the best player in the world for football this year for 2022-2023 season. Uh, what is that comparable to? 35 goals for the Prem? That is an astronomically high number of goals. Uh, what would you compare that to? Is that like I'm tr- – I'm trying to think. Uh, in MLBs, is that like home runs or – is that is that not as big of a stat? I guess I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know if I can really compare that to anything else. I mean, I it's mean, just, it's hard to quantify. But yeah. I mean, thirty-five goals. Jeez, it's ridiculous. And it's that, a, that's over a goal a game. Over yeah. a goal a game. Yeah. He has thirty-five goals in thirty-three games. Which to, I guess you could try and put into perspective. Which obviously one season is much different than a career. But look at the greatest goal scorers of all time, and none of them are going to be one and one, you know, one goal for every one match. You look at Maradona. I was just looking at Maradona's highlights or um, numbers for Napoli. And I forget how many matches he played like 181 or something like that. And he scored like 88 goals uh, and he was the best player in the world. I mean, it, it, it I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to, how to quantify that. Like you said, it, 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 it speaks for itself um if you follow the game and you realize what a feat that is and if you don't follow the game uh i don't know how to i don't know how to explain that in nba terms for you but um it's it's stupid and to do it in your first season in a new league at the age that he is just makes it even more outrageous and on top of that i will say obviously he's got weapons all all over Graylish, De Bruyne, Gundawan. I mean, he's set up for success, but he's also been thrust into the number nine role for one of the most complex managers with one of the most complex systems that we've seen players have a really difficult time fitting into. You look at Graylish, who's had a great year this year, great second half of the year this year. Yeah, he was. But his he first was... year and a half, he struggled to 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 settle in. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that speaks to it even more, and it's just. I heard somebody talking about an NFL player one time in training camp and they were like, if aliens came down and had no idea what was going on in in the NFL, they would have been able to watch and realize that X player was, was the best at what they were doing out there. 
And if you had an alien come down and sit in the bleachers at the Etihad, I feel very confident that they wouldn't, you know, if they had no idea what's going on on a football pitch, they would still know that Holland was the standout. He was the exception. And, and 22 years old. Yeah. Uh, 22. Uh, I mean, he's just Wild. physically so gifted. I thought that, I thought that was a great goal to set the record with. He got in, he playing on the back shoulder, got in behind. And it was just that awareness positionally, but a little bit of finesse. To, he didn't really chip it, but he kind of chipped it. He kind of played yeah. it back across his body. I just thought it was a good classy goal and one that exemplified who he is as a striker pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter where he's at or how he does it, but he always manages to get the ball into the back of the net, you know, whereas a lot of other players, that doesn't, that's not the case. And that's why he's, he's just on, you know, he's like what you say, different gravy. Uh, Arsenal, you talked about them bottling it. Manchester United recently has been bottling it, losing to Brighton in the depths of a like 95th, 96th minute with a McAllister PK. Uh, who do you think is having the better season, Keegs? Uh, we have Manchester United, who's won the Carabao Cup. They can win the FA Cup. That's still to be determined. And they can also get top four, which is Champions League, which they have not been a part of for quite some time. Uh, is that better than Arsenal, who is currently in second and does not have any other trophies? Who would you say would like? <laughs> um, Don't Arsenal, be Ars- Arsenal are 15 points above them. So I want to – taking trophies out of it and just looking at form, I wa- I'm going to go with Arsenal. Uh, with that being said, I I I think that United have had what I would call a successful season. They've got hardware going into this season for both of those clubs. If Arsenal were in ninth or eighth right now, going into this season, I, I wouldn't have been overly surprised. I would be giving them shit and we would be laughing at them, but I wouldn't be overly surprised with where they've been the last couple seasons. So to be a point behind Manchester City at this point with 34 matches played and to be a team that we've called for three-fourths of the year, one of the best teams in Europe, if not the best at uh, on multiple occasions, I think is vastly overachieving uh, their expectations. With that being said, United were in turmoil coming into this year. We didn't know what was going to happen with uh, Ragnar and Ragnarok, or however the fuck you say his name, I haven't heard his name in so Rag- long. Ragnick, Ragnick, yeah, yeah. You're thinking um, of Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of Ragnarok, and then I was thinking of Ragnarok from uh, the, I think the Harry Potter game, one of the, one of the guys. But anyway, um, Ragnick, yeah, thank you, Ralph. Uh, <laughs> with him transitioning to Ten Hog to the Ronaldo drama. I mean, same, same thing as Arsenal. If at that point you would have said, Hey, Manchester United is going to end this season in, in eighth or ninth in the premier league. I would have been like, yeah, that's, that's not that bold of a, a claim. And here they are in fourth. Um, 
eight points ahead of Brighton, who just beat them 1-0 and who has looked incredible this year. Uh, you know, I, I think both have overachieved. I think Arsenal have overachieved more, I guess, is my really long-winded way of saying. I like that. Uh, also, to uh, kind of talk about Manchester United, since their big victory at uh, Leicester City on uh, February 19th, they played Liverpool first week of March, lost 7-0. Remember that big beatdown? I remember ten, that. Rings ten, well. Hawks, 10 Hawks first. So since then, they've drawn where they drew even 0-0 against Southampton, lost to Newcastle 2-0. And then they've uh, won a few, drawn and lost, you know. But uh, over that time period, uh, there's only been two goals for Marcus Rashford. I think that's where they're. I think that's where everything comes and goes. Like when they were purring as a team, right before that Liverpool uh, loss, like it was Marcus Rashford, two goals, one goal, one goal, one goal, one goal, uh, no goal. Then so he went pretty much ten games with a with a goal minus one of the games he didn't. And then since then, he's only had eight games with two goals. So I think that's where it comes down to. I mean, at the, any of the teams, you need to score goals to to win. Uh, and Marcus Rashford is one of those guys. And uh, not getting wrong, United has plenty of talent to be able to score goals. But Marcus Rashford, when he's scoring goals, United is a top two to three team. Even I could say if they could get the other guys to score a couple, they'd be the a one-two in the Prem. But – yeah, they, I think so they, too. they rely on Marcus Rash for that much to the point where I think they're going to throw a ton of money at Harry Kane this year, this this offseason. I think he's going to get north of 110, north of 120, which yeah. which is asking price three years ago, you know, before World yeah. Cup around the Euros. Yeah, like, and I, I think they should, honestly, because you look at that team and if United wants to get back to the United of old, they, they can't just rely on Rashford. I think he should obviously be a huge piece. I think he should be the poster boy of that club. But you can't just rely on, okay, we've had a really good run of form to start the new year on the back of Marcus Rashford and Casemiro coming in. There's got to be more than that. And I think they've got pieces. Obviously, Bruno uh, can be super effective. I, th- I, I was a huge Anthony Doubter uh, after his first maybe seven or eight matches. I think he's played better. I, I thought he had an opportunity against Brighton. He probably could have put away, but I think he's getting into more dangerous positions. And I think he, he seems a little bit more, he feels more dangerous in those they, positions. They have him playing more as a right, as like a right forward position than they do a right winger position. So he's not necessarily tracking back on defense as much. He still does that because both of the forwards have to do that in Ten Hag's system. Uh, but I think he's given a little bit more creative freedom. And I mean, he's, I mean, he does have that finesse. Like he has that flair and he he's good with the ball at his feet. So I, and, and with that, I, I like him getting in behind a little bit more because it forces him to be dangerous and it forces him to take on goal scoring opportunities rather than when, when, when he first joined the, the team, he would just drift out wide and he would get the ball and, and, you know, do the little, spin around move yeah like shit like that and it was like all right that's cool but what are you actually doing to add the, to the attack you know he the manager the managers in the premier league will figure that out quick <laughs> how to how to prevent that from happening whether that be exploding your ankles or you know structurally defending you 
they'll figure that out really quickly. So, yeah. It, yeah. And I mean, it, it was to the point where they didn't even have to figure it out. It was just like, okay, you can sit there and dribble the ball, you know, out by the corner flag for 90 minutes for all we care. If you're not going to do anything progressive with the ball, then, then who gives a shit? And now I feel like he's getting into positions where he is being more progressive with it. And it, I don't know. There's there's just something that's changed a little bit with yeah. him where he feels – when I watch him, he feels like more of a threat than he did earlier in the year. So um feels like he's settling in a little bit, and he, I think they definitely just need a, that striker, that true goal scorer. He's still getting that ass whooped if Lewis Dunk comes <laughs> comes at him. Like he, he went at oh, him and like chested absolutely. him. I'm like, dude, Dunk is going to give you that two-piece chicken special. Like one-two, there it is. Like you're done for. Yeah, night-night. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, another club I want to talk about, Chelsea. Uh, so, I, well, before we segue into that, real quickly, so Brighton stole that show, and it was McAllister PK. I think Alexis McAllister is on the up and up. Um, oh, yeah. as of We're right about now, to throw big money at him. As as of right now, it looks like James Milner's sh- being shipped out to Brian because <laughs> Brian finds diamonds in the rough everywhere they're yeah. at, and they found one in, in fucking Milner. And, Milner Ballon Dior <laughs> next year, <laughs> and so so he's going to Brighton. It looks like uh, J- Jude Bellingham just decided like it would be a great decision on his part to play with uh, freaking Tukameni, Kemavinga, and Valverde instead of with whoever the midfield is at Liverpool. <laughs> um, but are you, would you be okay with Alexis McAllister coming into top or coming into Liverpool? Cause it's kind of looking that way. I would be completely content with seeing Alexis McAllister stay at Brighton and seeing Brighton build something amazing. Um, with that being so said, you, you I would, think I would, he's needed for that, that amazing build. You I, think I think, he's, he, he's, I think he's definitely helpful. I think he already is a piece and could continue to be a piece. But with is that he, being said, is he a, is he a, uh, foundational piece, like a legit, like building block? Like you have to have these two or three guys and then you build around these two or three guys to see that in the middle of the pitch. Uh, <sighs> Yes, I think he. I think he is. Um, I think he's one of their most important players. I also think Suli March is really, really special. Um, Dude, he and is. I think I think Caicedo is even more special. I think Caicedo is probably better than both of them and and more valuable than both of them. How old is he? Like twenty one. I was gonna say he's. I think he's twenty yeah, or twenty one. Super yeah. young, and I think McAllister's like twenty four or twenty five. Um, so that's why I say that as just being a neutral, I would love to see that three just stay together and Matoma and, you know, I mean, it's similar to, to Napoli where it's like, these guys are going to get crazy money thrown at them and the band is probably going to break up and, you know, Napoli will be somewhere between one and five or six in Italy, most likely for the next few years, which is like, that's the reality of it, but it kind of sucks. It's like, I would love to see this team you know, go make another European run. I would love to see Brighton end up in, in fifth and, you know, make a Europa run next year. Um, but it's probably just not going to happen because they 
are not going to be able to afford to keep all of these players. People are going to throw money at Caicedo, Mitoma, McAllister's already getting money thrown at. Yeah, their defense is stupid. Uh, is going to get some money. Uh, oh, I've yeah. always thought Tariq Lampley was good. Uh, he's been yeah. injured all season, but yeah. yeah, they have a lot going on for him. And then uh, they just uh, today it was reported um, where they just signed one of Watford's like 20 year old Brazilian player uh, forwards for like a club signing. I want to say like 36 million. And wow. so it's like, you know, they, they just keep signing all this small talent and, you know, they're building a machine. And that's one thing uh, we have off seasons for the podcast, but I wouldn't mind like diving into this during the off season and like talk about Brighton and deep. I don't know who yeah. we have. I'd like to get really granular with Brighton. Cause we mentioned last week, Union Sanjaloy, who was in the what quarterfinals of Europa. Yeah. Same owner, same owner as Brighton. So they're, uh-huh. they're obviously doing something worth diving into. Um, they're, they're doing something right. Uh, so, yeah, I would love to see that group stay together, uh, and I would love to see Brighton kind of reach their, you know, their peak and and their, uh, I don't know the word that I'm looking for, um, you know, potential. Yeah, Thank potential. You. That's a Thank good you word. Yeah. For nothing. Yeah. Speaking- I would love to see them reach their potential, but with that being said, I'd be thrilled to see McAllister go to Liverpool to, okay. to answer your original question. I like that. Uh, back to your original point before my question, uh, and speaking of potential, Frank Lampart, Chelsea, do you want to hear his last 20 matches as manager? I've got them written down as well, but yeah, please share them. Lost 2-1, lost 2-0, lost 1-0, win 3-0, draw 0-0, lost 2-0, lost 4-1, lost 3-0, lost 2-1, draw 1-1, lost 4-1, lost 3-1, lost 2-1, lost 2-0, lost 1-0, lost 2-0, lost 2-1, lost 2-0, lost 2-0, lost 3-1. And that's his last 20 games. Which There are a lot of losses in there. That was last week. I think he's actually lost twice since the last time I gave I gave this number. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, Frankie Four Fingers is always being Frankie, and like he's a club <laughs> legend. But dude, he just he's got to get out of there before he he turns into a club meme and not if, a club legend. If you if you were offered that, and you know your potential as a manager, and you had but. You had the club. You had you had that squad. Almost the same squad. Eighteen months ago, twenty four months ago. I don't know how long ago Frankie Four Fingers was managing, and long enough ago that he still had Christian Pulisic in his prime, uh, which he still is in his prime. Um, but dude, do you turn that down? Like that thing is, that thing is sewage water you don't want to touch that with your bare hands like at all like i don't want any part of it like none whatsoever you think i want to touch kukurea no way jose like not at all and chelsea is a dumpster fire and we beat it over the head non-stop but i feel like we, we do doing yeah. it a little bit more just because we're only 43 minutes into this podcast and we can't <laughs> really talk about chelsea so <laughs> We uh we definitely need to have the Burnett brothers back. Uh, now that the dumpster is truly on fire, we we've got to have them back on and just hear their thoughts. Because the crazy thing about this is, they're going to take time in the off season. They're going to appoint a manager. They're going to figure out a plan, and they're going to have twenty players who are world class players. And they're going to figure out how to make that. They have to be able to figure out how to make that work. 
Yeah. I mean, with, with, with the quality of players that they've got, they have to be able to figure something out to make that work. And you, so, so I, I could see them being really good next year, but for the time being, it's hilarious. Do you trust them? Like, cause I'm a Tottenham supporter. I don't trust Tottenham. I don't trust Daniel Levy to figure it out. I don't trust him to get a, a GM in place to kind of head of operations, a Julian Nagelsmann. Like how good is he when you don't have upper management? That's good. Like, can right. you trust Chelsea and Todd Bowley to figure this out? Yeah, I think that's Todd Bowley's decision and whether or not he's going to be arrogant and try to pretend that he knows what he's doing or if he's going to let Nagelsmann take the wheel and, and do his thing um, or, you know, whoever, whoever it is that gets the reins. So um, hopefully not Pochettino. I just want that guy to have a job. The, I love the, that dude. The world's better when he's managing somewhere. Yeah. I preferably not in the Premier League. I would prefer him to go to like Syria or even Italy. Like get him on some random like not Lazio, but some other good Italian team and like let him let him hang out there. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind seeing him there. Um or Leeds. With 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 uh just to go off of what piggyback off what you just said uh with Lampard. So to put that into perspective, you you went through each result in 2023, in all competitions, Chelsea as a whole, four wins, 13 losses, and six draws. Uh, and that is before, I think that's before the Arsenal that, loss, so actually 14 losses. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea, That's those aren't numbers you hear when you, when you no, think yeah. of Chelsea, like, ever. Like, Chelsea, Chelsea is the thoroughbred. I would put them equal to Liverpool. Over the last fifteen years, yeah, over the last right, fifteen yeah, years, yeah, 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 maybe not the last five, but the last fifteen years, I would put them equal to yeah. them, and That's I would fair. put them maybe just a step down from two steps down from City, and I, I honestly, I would put Chelsea, Chelsea probably second over the last 15, 20 years, the Prem. I'd, I'd maybe put United a, a touch above them. Um, okay, yeah, sure, but yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's just mind blowing. It really is. And it's like, it's not going to get any better. And that's what I love about it. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have here, Tobes? We've, we've been through, I, I feel like I've touched on everything no, for the most part uh, that I want to in the prem. Unless you got the, the only other thing I kind of want to put a little shade on, I'm pulling up the standings right now. So you were just talking about like one through seven, pretty much. Um, here we are. 15 through 20 the bottom of the the bottom of the barrel west ham uh 34 games and they have 34 points leicester has 30 leeds has 30 points nottingham forest has 30 points everton has 29 southampton has 24 it's looking like southampton's gonna get relegated it's who is in 19th and 18th that will also be relegated so this is a big week for those teams um of those, of those four, or excuse me, of those five, uh, let's just do put West Ham in there. So West Ham, Leicester, Leeds, Nottingham Forest, Everton. Uh, what what are two of the teams you don't want to see get relegated? Everton, Nottingham Forest, Leeds, Leicester, and West Ham. I just don't want to see two Everton. of them will. I I don't want to see Everton. Uh, Never been relegated since the Premier League. Yeah. 
Don't want to see Everton, and I'm just choosing two, correct? Yeah, two. Yep. So yeah, West Ham, Leicester, Leeds, or Nottingham. I don't want to see Everton or West Ham. If yeah. I had to choose between that group, I would I would choose Leicester, Leeds, or uh, Nottingham mm-hmm. to go. Okay, yeah, that's me too. I would like Leicester, Nottingham, and Southampton. I want to keep Leeds up. And then uh, West Ham, you can even sell Declan Rice for $100 million and flip that. And even without Declan Rice, I think that team is still – Yeah, they've got potential. They're still where they're at currently. They'd be next year without Declan Rice, in my opinion. Um, they have potential, and they – yeah, they have – you know, Ska, I forget the Italian, Scalamanca. Um, they have him. They have uh, Antonio. Uh, they have – yeah, they have – quite a bit of uh, forward and striker talent. And then the midfield's okay with Suchek and everyone else, but yeah, that winger who, uh, that English winger that I, uh, Bowman. Reason, yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jared Bowen. Yeah. Yeah. Bowen. Um, yeah. He's, he's actually, I would put him up there as probably their best player, like with Declan Rice, like those two, like he always links really well. So, Yeah. So I'd like to see them stay up. With that being said, I mean, uh, I, I put Leicester, you know, going down. And, and they've got lovable quality players, too, with Madison and Didi. Barnes, yeah. Harvey Barnes, Vardy, obviously. Sell them all. Uh, Telemans. And that, yeah, I mean, that'll be the interesting thing. If they do go down, a lot of those players are, are going to be getting money from other teams. Yeah. And that probably affects the amount of money that they get because they're going to want to stay in the premier league and not go down to the championship. So it's like, Hey, if we're going to throw up 25 million at Telemans, maybe we can throw 20 at him now. Yeah. So I I think that that will be an interesting thing to see. Same thing with West Ham. All right. Declan Rice is going down. Declan Rice is still going to get money, but you know, maybe a, maybe a Jared Bowen is going to get, 12 or 11 or 12 mil instead of 18 yeah. mil or, or whatever you, that might be. If you take two of the Leicester city midfielders and throw them into Liverpool, are you guys higher up on the table than what you currently are with say, uh, let's just go Ndidi and Madison. We don't even have to go Tielemans. Um, maybe with Madison. I don't think Ndidi just because, I don't know if he's going to do anything with where he's at in his career right now. I don't know if he's going to do anything that Fabinho doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Madison, if- maybe if you plug him in for Hendo, he's a lot more progressive and attacking and creative. So I think maybe um, the one that I would want is Tielemann. So of course that's the one that you you've wanted him for do. two years now. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, yeah. I, I truly love him. Yeah. I, I would love to see him and McAllister. Um, also, if we want to talk a little bit of Liverpool, we can because this new formation, shout out to Pep Guardiola uh, for completely changing the game as he always does and altering the way that, that City attacks so that their formation is completely different when they're attacking versus when they defend. Mm-hmm. And showing that uh, an outside back, a fullback, can slide into a midfield position while attacking and even while defending at, at certain points, which has completely changed Trent Alexander-Arnold's role for Liverpool. 
and has made him over the last couple of weeks, in my opinion, one of the most productive and impressive players in the Premier League. Wow, bold his, statement. Yeah, his roles his role has completely changed. He's setting up goals literally every match, with the exception of of uh the other day against Fulham, which the only the only goal came in a um through a penalty, but He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's changed everything. He's pulling the strings. Um, I think it's a perfect mix of if you lined him up in midfield, it may be a little bit of a difficult adjustment because he's he's changing every part of his game, changing where he's at, lined up tactically. Whereas this, he's just kind of easing into a different position on the pitch um, more naturally and fluidly. So, and he's just been so creative and so productive. He's, so is that... Is that a microcosm of the tactical change that Klopp made and Trent Alexander-Arnold like agreeing and adapting to it? Is that more that or is that more it's also the sign, not sign of the times, but it's also the time period where Liverpool has all their guys coming back healthy where they have a Gomez, they have a you know, Darwin Nunez, they still have everyone else up top, Diego Jota, uh, Mo Salah, like they have all the players back. Is that also to do with it? Or is it more just the way that they've structured uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold on that right side? Yeah, I think both. I think a huge part of why we're playing as, as well as we have been is because of Jota being back, he's been huge for us, obviously. I think Luis Diaz is a huge, huge spark plug for us. Um, a player that we've missed, not just for his talent and his ability to score goals, but also just the energy that he brings to the team, um, not just in attack, but all over the pitch. He's He is absolutely a spark plug, and, and I think him coming back from in, uh, injury – is is huge for us and i mean you saw uh the goal going back to jota i mean you saw the goal he scored against tottenham a little bit of a gift from lucas mora sorry to bring that up but uh, i think jota brings a little bit of an edge he's uh he's um he's a true goal scorer he's he's a guy who pounces on opportunities and then you've got luis diaz who like i said is, is just that spark plug he just brings so much energy and tenacity and passion and I think those two have pushed Nunez as well, where you saw Nunez, once once those two were back from injury, he wasn't getting as much playing time. Um, and I, I think that all of that overall, I, I think competition is good up front, and we really haven't had that much competition this year. Um, I think Gakpo also. Gakpo has really, really found his form. And there's been you know conversation recently that he's a really good player replacement for Bobby and and he really is now that he's shown a little bit of his you know his peak form and his his ability he is that like delicate like um finesse type of player who can really like he can hold up play but he can also show a ton of skill and creativity to get out of sticky situations and I think he's done that well yeah he has he has the 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 feet the capability with his feet, but uh, what impresses me the most is his work ethic and just the way he has like a motor on him, uh, which a lot of forwards don't like, you don't get a lot of forwards that track back 
when the good ones do, and that's what he's been doing, and that's why I've been so impressed with Gakpo. Uh, I <clears throat> I expected that same tenacity from Darwin Nunez, and Darwin does it, but he like he like will track back, but he like doesn't make a play on the ball. If that makes sense. Whereas Gakpo like will actually retrieve the ball and then you know make a play off of it. Whereas you don't get that with Darwin as much. Like Darwin just kind of seems like he flies, he flies by, you know, and just kind of he makes the effort and like stops the run, but he doesn't actually get the ball, uh, uh, contain possession, and then like play off of that as well. So, yeah, and I, I think it's just a difference in in players. Like I hate to shit on Darwin, but he he seems a little bit more brawn than brains. Whereas Gagpo is a really nice balance of of both. And I, I, I think the comparison of him and Bobby is a really interesting one because you've got Bobby who is known for his flair and his finesse. And, and he's his got teeth. That, and his teeth. And he's got that Brazilian, you know, Jogo Bonito-like style. But on top of that, like the surprising and wonderful thing about Bobby is he's got that, but he also plays really hard. He was always good at pressing. He would get back when he needed to. Like he gave that extra that extra push on top of that finesse and Gakpo, we knew we would get that. He's got that Dutch style, like different backgrounds, right? He comes from that Dutch style, that total football background. Um, and it, he complements that hard work rate and, and that ability to play all over the pitch with that finesse and, and with that, you know, some of those surprisingly like surprising escapes out of, of tight situations. Um, which has been a really nice surprise and where I think they sort of meet in the middle um, and complement each other really well. And I think it's a nice changing of the guard that we're seeing in that number nine position. Uh, What were your opinions on Tottenham? Like what, what is going on with that club right now? Cause I still don't know. I have no idea. Like we go from zero to 60 real quick, but we go from zero to 10 real slow. Like, we yeah. can't start a game to save our life. Like, we can't. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, I mean, to start with the positive, they could have gone down 3-0 in the first 15 minutes and got beat 4-0. And, you know, put their tucked their tail and, and, and went home with a, a brutal result. And it's still a loss, but at the end of the day, they, they did fight back. And that's the thing, like, that's the shitty thing where I don't envy you being a, a Spurs supporter is it's just like, yeah, we fought back. That's great. But why do we get off to these shitty starts every oh. fucking week? And yeah. why do we dig ourselves in this hole just to climb halfway out of it? If if this happens tomorrow, I am. You're done. Huh? Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I was gonna <laughs> say gonna I'm gonna kill myself. Yeah, I'm gonna jump. I don't know. <laughs> don't, like, I don't, please, Toby, please. I don't know don't what's going do on. That. I don't have I don't have my support here right now. Like we've already <laughs> talked about this. So here here's how Koi's here's how come on you Spurs Richarlison is. He has had a goal, takes his shirt off, disallowed, and booked. He's had a goal, takes his shirt off disallowed and sent off for his second yellow he's had a goal takes his shirt off does the chicken dance then booked then liverpool instantly go down and then win it like that's 
He's so Tottenham. Like, it's ridiculous. It's to the point where I think he would be a good replacement for Harry Kane. Let's just get Harry Kane out of here. Let's try and make 110 off of him and get two to three new players with that salary. Kind of like what Liverpool did when they got rid of Coutinho and ended up bringing in Virgil van Dijk and uh, Allison. I'm not expecting that. I'm just expecting something cool. Like, (laughs) you know, like something to keep us. At this point, I don't mean to sound like a trash can. I'm cool top four and quarter and semifinals of tournaments. Like, that's where I'm at in this life. Like, that's where I'm expecting. That's what I'm expecting, you know? Like, let's just get to the Champions League and let the cards cards fall where they they land and then hope that Musa Sissoka doesn't get a – doesn't get a handball in the box. That was a cheap ass handball, but still, <laughs> Liverpool fans won't admit it, so it doesn't matter. And that's where we're at. Oh, man. Exactly where ah, we're at. Down very bad. So, so with that, if and we're getting to an hour, so we can wrap up. But I just got one one question for you. If 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 you're fine with moving on from Kane, um, letting him go and and win some cups. And you get a, a, a good amount of money for him. Do you keep Sun and spend that money from Kane to surround Sun with talent, or do you get rid of Sun as well and get, double down on your money and, and completely rebuild? Completely rebuild. You get rid of Sun. Yeah. Sun's like thirty-two. I, I want to say he's older. Uh, Harry Kane is by far our top asset, and I mean, there's a couple different options. He could either go to Manchester United and just rake in goals and hope that they win something and, uh, you know, keep, keep tacking on that prem, uh, that prem, uh, all the awards that would come with that. Um, but if I was him, I'd either go to Bayern or I'd go to like real Madrid. Those are the two. I think I, I, I don't know about Barcelona, but definitely Real Madrid and then uh, Bayern Munich, especially Bayern, because um, they would they would pay and want him. Uh, but I think he needs to go somewhere, win a you know win a league, and fight and possibly win the Champions League. And he could do that with either of those clubs, and do that for one to two years, win some trophies, and then come back to Tottenham. And then just finish out his last two to three years as a 33, I want to say 34 year old and just get that, that prem, you know, that prem award and get all the accolades that come with that. This is the same prophecy that you spelled out in our group chat the other night. Exactly. Yeah. It sounds great. It doesn't just sound great. It looks great. Like it really (laughs) does. And that's what I'm hoping happens because a little bit of me would die. Because Harry Kane is one of the top reasons why I stuck with Tottenham as long as I have. Of course, I and, think many. Yeah. And for him to leave and go to a non-London team, I would be okay with. But for him to go to Manchester United, which they're like a like a city, there I would even consider them worse than Liverpool. Like they're just like not good. Like I don't want him to go to a Manchester team at all. So. Yeah, I don't know what to I, say. I'm, I'm a hater, like it, I am. It feels like there are three big clubs where that that make sense for him to go um, and chase a you know chase chase some hardware. And which who, are who they are for strikers, you? Who need strikers? Yeah, and who so are they for you? Byron, I think would be a great fit for him. They they need a number nine, I think, to replace 
you know, the the gap that Lewandowski left. I think he would fit in well. Um, Man United, like you mentioned, they need a striker. I think he would fit in well. And then the one that would hurt the most for you, a London club, Chelsea. Uh, yeah. We need a striker really bad. And I, I see that being a really good place for him to end up. I pa- don't see him going there because did you just Did you just say Pochettino's going there and then he's going to recruit Harry Kane? <laughs> would that kill you? Uh, a little bit, yeah. It would, yeah. honestly. And I don't think – Pochettino, I think, would because Pochettino's a manager, so he does what he was. I don't think Harry Kane would go there. I don't, I don't think Harry don't Kane – I don't think Harry Kane would go to Arsenal ever. Chelsea, probably not. Crystal Palace, probably not. Fulham, probably not. I'm trying to think any other London teams that are... I I don't think any of them are even in the mix, really. Nothing against them. Um, You know, I love Crystal Palace, and I got a lot of love for Fulham, but I just don't think they're in the mix Mm -hmm. where, you know... A lot of money. ...in a better place where than Tottenham as far as winning a trophy. Um, yeah. So I, I think it would have to be Chelsea, United, or Bayern, or, or else you know an, another major club. I don't see Real just because Benzema isn't slowing down. I mean, I know he's getting a little bit older, but he's he's not slowing down. I don't know why they would want to bring in a, a new striker to replace him. That's at kind of at that similar level. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I mean, they just have so much attacking talent up top too. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if they really are lacking on goal scoring opportunity. Whereas a Manchester United, right, and even a Bayern Munich to that degree, like we saw them. I mean, they they were idle in the Champions League the last round or two. Like they just weren't themselves. And I don't think that was Julian Nagelsmann. I think that was the talent that they have up top. Yeah, missing a little bit of interplay with with Lewandowski and what he can bring. So uh, we're at an hour and five. You predicted it earlier. You said this is going to be an hour and ten minute kind of night. Should we get into boost cheers and belters, or do you have anything else before we get? Uh, yeah, I want to talk about the FIFA team of the year, yes, but I think we can yeah. we can do that next week if you want. Like that's not going anywhere. Nah, let's get right into it. I, th- I feel like it'll be pretty quick. Okay. Um. So team of the week by FIFA twenty three. Uh. Here's here's how it's looking. Uh, sorry, my phone is buffering real quick. Um. Up top, from what I remember, is it was Mbappe. I can read it off if yeah. If go it's ahead, yeah. yeah. My my right, phone's so loading. Team of the year here. So we've got a four three three on the left wing: Mbappe, Benzema in the middle, and Lionel Messi at the right wing. In the midfield: Jude Bellingham, Kevin De Bruyne, and Luka Modric. Which, by and, the way, Jude Bellingham is a 95, and Luka Modric is a 96, and KDB is a 97. Those are yeah. some steep center mid position numbers yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, who's in the back line? Back line, we got Teo Hernandez, Virgil van Dyke, Edar Militao, and Hakimi. And then at goalkeeper, we've got Courtois. Okay. Yep. So I would <laughs> say, <laughs> yep. Um, so Tio, we said this Hernandez, like he is the, the creme de creme on the left side for uh, France and for Inter Milan. Yep. Um, and Hakimi for all of his uh, shittiness 
as of late and then his mom stuff, uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, he, on that right side, he's had an awesome season for Morocco and for PSG. And same thing with uh, Militao and, uh, for Brazil and Real Madrid. But Virgil van Dijk, man, that left center back position, I did not expect that at all. Um, I honestly, I don't know who you would have stuck in there at that position. See, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that's the thing is it, it doesn't feel like Van Dyke should be there, but then so, the more I think who should be, it's it's really tough to say. So they they have the the like alternates as well. Right. And uh Juventus Bremer is an eighty seven overall, which is quite a bit lower than Virgil Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. And then also they have a center back of Kulabali from Chelsea who's not even sniffing the playing field as equally wide. Yeah, equally, equally as wild as VVD. I, I'm starting to realize FIFA is kind of equally wild in everything they do. Like they, you know, it. it I, I'm not saying pace merchants, but I'm just saying like sometimes that they it's just kind of go with they go with the flow. Yeah, exactly. Whoever, yeah, yeah, they they ride a tidal wave and the wave takes them as far as it can. So that's why when you got into Ultimate Team, I told you to run away, Toby. It's, it's so what, no break hype and face merchants. That's it. So Keeks, you, you you talked about the top eleven. You also didn't say that early Halan was an honorable mention, almost starter, even though he's probably the Ballon d'Or best player of the year, uh, best player in Premier League history for scoring goals. None of that matters. Who is your starting eleven that you currently have on your roster? My roster. All right, let's get into it. Um, it had been until last week. It had been about a month uh, that I since I had played, but I've I've refined my team a little bit this past weekend. So up top, I've got kind of an alternating. Um, so so to get into formation, I run a four one two one two. Um, so go. We'll we'll go with the back line, which which stays the same. Um, and that is left back. I've got Ashley Cole, World Cup icon. I've got Baby Paolo Maldini, 88 overall at center back, paired with Baby Fabio Cannavaro, 87 overall. Right back, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, it's like a special card. I forget. I forget which one it is. What what it's called? But oh, um, all the all the special cards you have. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he's a he's a, a 90 overall. And then my midfield, so I've got a, a defensive mid, two center, surrounded by two center mids, and then an attacking mid. You know how I love my deep line playmakers. So I've got Xabi so Alonso, so Italian. Yeah, yeah, Xabi Alonso, ninety overall. Um, on each side of him, I've got a couple new additions. I used to have Sandro Tonali and uh, Gennaro Gattuso, but now I've got ninety overall Frank Lampard and eighty nine overall Declan Rice. Frankie Fourfingers and Declan Rice. Yeah, and I, I haven't wow. been on a losing streak since adding Frank. So you got uh, the the English white man uh, hope right there. <laughs> and, yeah, I've got <laughs> them mixed do. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately is correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll go through my bench too because I've I've uh, that's where where my my former players are at now, but. Um, in attacking mid, I've got, in my opinion, outside of maybe Cruyff, uh, arguably the best card in the game with Rude Hulett, 93 overall, prime icon. And then up top, this tandem has changed a little bit, but I've got Moise Keen, player of the week, 86 overall. 
and um, Isak, player of the week, 84 overall. Oh, I like that. That's good. Previously, I had um, I had Osiman up there with Moiskeen, um, but I, I recently changed that out. So I'll go through my bench real quick. Uh, Joe Cole, attacking mid, 90 overall, heroes card. Osiman, Gattuso, Javi Simmons, 87 overall, player of the month. Javi, 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 Javi. Michael Olise, player of the week, 88 overall. And uh, uh, you love that, Olise. <laughs> you yeah, love I do. And Gianluigi Donnarumma, who I recently replaced for this absurd wow. 90 overall. Uh, David De Gea is my goalkeeper right now, which I don't love, but it is a, a very good card, 90 overall. So that's the squad. Yeah, sure. Why not? I like it. That's a good squad, dude. Are you picking up some points? Uh, yeah, I'm, I've, I've been picking up some points. It's been a good run. So um, yeah, I'm okay. still getting handled by people who just run around with like Jerzino and Mbappe up top. So uh, I'm sure more of that will happen with this team. Yeah, those here. are my nephews and they uh, score goals on you and grab their crotch and run around the the the, the, the spare bedroom that they're playing. In, so. <laughs> <laughs> While their character's doing the gritty on me. Yeah, right? pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. I, I do want to go through those honorable mentions, though. Um, uh, yeah, there's a big one up there. Who's the, one of the strikers? Uh, what was? Uh, oh, God. Uh, you know. Oh, uh, nine, a 92. 86 on the pace, 95 on the shot. That's low, in my opinion. 95 on the shot. Uh, 88 on the passing, 87 on the dribbling, 49 on the defense, and 88 on the physicality. Harry Kane in 92 overall. Been hitting the gym with that 88 physical. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. What about a Vinny Jr., 91 overall? 99 that, pace, too. That's crazy. That's pretty – I think that's right up there for him. I think that's yeah. good. He's yeah. had an amazing year. I, I think he deserves, at the minimum, honorable mention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, I could see him uh, – I think Mbappe and Messi were both uh, sexy uh, jersey picks. Because yeah. neither of them belong, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think those but are World Cup hype you're, picks. You're not putting Kane ahead of Benzema. You know, you maybe put him equal to him. But uh, Vinny yeah. Jr., I think you could put on the left side instead of Mbappe, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I think you could. Uh, Koulibaly at center back. Joao Cancelo at left back. Um, Manchester City, Joao Manchester Cancelo. City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pedri in the middle. Uh, maybe a little bit of a sexy hype pick too. I mean, he's he's been very good, but uh, I don't know. I think that's just like kind of everybody's new wonder kid. Um, yeah. He's a 90 overall, and you've got Valverde at an 89, who I thought Valverde was great, has been great for Real Madrid. I thought beginning of the year was that dude's a making dog. a push for, yeah, I mean, one of the most impressive players in the world. At, at the beginning and then of the uh, he bossed for a couple games in the World Cup too. Yeah. Um, Saka 89 overall, he's been great this year. Minion, um, I thought he's been has, great, honestly. He's, he's been amazing, and he is amazing. He's he was injured for a lot of the year, so I was kind of surprised to see him in here, but uh, I'm, I'm not mad about it. He's he's been very good. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I don't have to write a letter to FIFA, so. Uh, well, Fikir's we might need here. to from here on out. So let's <laughs> let's get through the last couple, and then we'll go from there. Fakir, 
who I love Fakir, but it this absolutely feels these last three just feel like FIFA. Yeah, yeah Fakir, um, Fakir. Yeah. These just feel like FIFA. Hey, these are players you love playing with, so we're gonna give them a card. Pace merchants. Yeah, Fakir's in there, Davies, Alphonse Davies, and then Bremer from from Juve, which I wouldn't have been mad at a uh Timber. The center back from Ajax. I wouldn't. I, I would have been fine with him being in there as, as team of the year. But I know they would wouldn't dare throw a Eredivisie player in in the team of the year like that. So no, no. Why would they? They already they already dabbled in the, the black arts with the real Betis. So right. they yeah. they got That's they got enough. down and dirty. Yeah. So yeah, we'll give Timo Werner five different cards this year, but Eberekiazi won't get any, and Kavart Skelia won't get one until like February. Yeah, that's FIFA. And even then, it's only like a 985, I want to say. They they gave him a 90 yeah. once, but yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, any Anything you wish you could have changed on that? Are you good with it or what? Because I would change half of it, honestly, but I don't want to <laughs> get into the bones and meat and potatoes of yeah, it. Yeah, I don't either. Let's just go to booze, cheers, and belters. Yeah. Uh, my boo is for PSG making Messi look like a Zoom hostage. Uh, when yeah, he had that to shit describe was when he had to describe what happened in Saudi Arabia, when everyone knows he just went there to sign a three hundred fifty million dollar contract, <laughs> like let's get real here, boys. Like what's going on? I'm so tired of this shit. I'm I'm so tired of Saudi Arabia or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just tired of the Messi Ronaldo like saga. You know, it's it's been an amazing yeah. decade and a half of these guys, and they should be eternalized. And uh, it, it just feels like petty, dumb bullshit at this point where it's like every day there's a new story about them and whether it's Ronaldo like not getting a penalty call against some team that no one would be paid to go watch play if they weren't playing against Ronaldo. And it's like mm-hmm. now Messi's going to go there and sign for, like you said, 350 mil. And it's like, it, it's just turning into like, Hey, let's have these guys go compete over who's going to make the most money in Saudi Arabia. And it's like, it almost yes. feels like a stain to, to their incredible legacies. It's like, yeah, it, I won't go it, that far as to tiring. say it's a stain, but I would say that uh, yeah. it no, definitely muddies the water. If that's a good way to say it, like, uh, it's not a stain. It's just, it's lame. It feels lame. Yeah. It feels tired. And why, like you get away from those players. Who else is in that league? Like who else? I don't mean that in a bad way. Cause I think, uh, and, uh, like Jordan, uh, IU or whatever his name is from, uh, uh, there's someone that's a African striker. his brother, maybe Kulabali. Oh no, no, no! Uh, on, yeah. on on that side, the the Cameroon. Uh, yeah, I want to say he's Cameroon or Nigerian. Abubakar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Abubakar, yeah he. Yeah. I mean, he, that dude's good. Like, but he's yeah, he's crazy and like he's like on the tail end. It's like it's like the MLS, but worse. I'm I'm really I'm not mad at Saudi Arabia like the Saudi no. Arabian League. They're they're just trying to grow the league. And, no, and I mean, the but brand. they're I'm, they're I'm not mad at them at all. Their owners are splashing money on the biggest players instead of for three hundred million dollars. You don't think you could get a pretty good squad for three hundred million dollars? Yeah, absolutely. Like, let's be real here. 
Let's be but right I, I I think again I'm I'm really not mad at them for throwing that money at these two. It's it's for me it's the way that it's been covered and like the the press around it, it, it where it's like I would I would much rather hear about so my cheer um Chuba Akpom EFL Championship Player of the Year. He was an Arsenal wonder kid turned loan experiment. He bounced around. I think he was loaned out like six times, found his form in Greece and then joined middle Middlesbrough this past season. Didn't, wasn't even a member of the first squad coming into the year and just took off, ended up with 28 goals. In the borough. I would rather hear about that shit than like this, these weird corny stories that pop up just because they're Ronaldo Messi. And I understand yeah. It, it's always going to happen. Like it's always going to happen. It happens in the NBA. It, it happens everywhere and will happen everywhere. But it's just so tired and lazy to me. You know, I, like my issue is is with how they're being covered, even more so than I guess like their career and, and everything. Like how that how the coverage of them affects their legacy. I think is my biggest like irk right now. Uh, I could see that. Um, what about Kim and Jay? A Korean player that was in the Chinese Super League as of I want to say two years ago, uh, and then pretty much only being dribbled past like five or six times this entire year, like just absolutely dominant defensive. Like same thing we are talking about uh, different leagues, different structures. China, because that's what I'm equating it: Chinese Super League, Saudi Arabian League. You know, splash cash, yeah. I would say those are high, high money teams with very low quality structure compared to say a Turkey or mm-hmm. a Belgium or mm-hmm. one of those countries that has a decent to better league, but with way low quality money. Yeah, so yeah, most of them, yeah, most of them are they're recruiting and bringing in players and homegrown players and then selling high. It's kind of how yeah. it happens. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just different Dutch league as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. different things. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I, Chinese Super League is a good comparison. I feel like to what Saudi Arabia is is currently trying to do. Yeah, and that's what that's it's not upsetting, but it's like, dude, what's gonna happen? Like, because. There's going to be players. Remember, China. China's had it for years, where players have gone over there and played. Oscar, yeah. Not just. I'm not talking retiree like MLS retiree uh, contracts. I'm talking like they're in their eighth year. You know, they're in the right, right at the top of their prime. Oscar, Oscar left Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, basically in his prime. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I think so. And and that's the thing that's that's interesting about it is just that never really seemed to pan out. They seem to plateau with a few like Hulk went over there, the Brazilian player Hulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um there were a lot of those players who went over there and I think- I'm I'm not mad at the leagues for trying to grow. I'm not even mad at the players for chasing the money, you know? It's it's Again, I just think the way that people go about covering it, it is No, really and that's what I'm I'm more bothered by the managers who run the teams and they're more about splash contracts than they are structurally building, I guess. Growing the infrastructure. Yeah. Like yeah. as that's pretty much me saying I don't want 
people to be like Tottenham. I want them to be like Brighton. Although yeah. my favorite team is Tottenham. So maybe I'm just <laughs> shooting on myself right now. Uh, so I already said my cheer it was for Mourinho and his wiretapping incident. Do you have, do you already talk about your cheer? Do you have a belter? I do. Um, and it was Pascal Gross, his volley against Wolves last weekend. Was yeah. Pascal's got it, doesn't he? He's yeah. that dude. Yeah. So mine is for uh, Inter, uh, Inter Milan, and is for uh, Chelani Lu. Uh, against Verona, and uh, yeah, so just a belter of a goal, good goal. You cut out for a second, but we got you with uh, Chalanolu against Verona. Yeah, against Verona, that's all that really matters. Uh, <laughs> moon rocket of a belter from outside the eighteen, uh, a little bit of a bend, uh, nice belter though. So, yeah, nice, nice. Syria, um, that's where we're at. Other than that, I do actually have a, a, a second quick cheer. Arsenal women sold out the Emirates for the UCL semifinal against How Pittsburgh. many? Do you know the um, numbers? I think that's like 60,000 something. Yeah, I, that's I pretty be, good. I could be wrong. That's No, crazy. that's good for the Emirates. Uh, I saw a, a, yeah. a photo um, that showed like 10 years difference. And it was like, it was them playing it. It looked like a Sunday morning league field. And then ten years later, they're selling out the Emirates. So, yeah, um, yeah, that that's amazing. Cheers to them. Other than that, I don't have anything else. Toby, what about yourself? Nothing at all. Uh, Carnitas have been on for four Uh-oh. hours, and we got nine minutes and thirty-seven and counting thirty-six, thirty-five. So yeah, so I got nine more minutes, and I've been on for <laughs> four and a half hours, five hours. So yeah. Yeah, well, good smoking. to kill uh, an hour and a half with you here. Yep, smoking meats, just hanging out with the boys. Beautiful, with a mustache. Cheers. Yep, with the mustache.